Hope's Harbor, Gritty Bible Devotions by David Bradley. The Heart and Mind of Jesus, Restoring the Mind, Lesson 6. The key verse is taken from Luke 4.18. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Before I get into today's message, I want to talk about the importance of words. In an earlier episode, I talked about the necessity to listen carefully. While laying awake this morning at 5.30 in the morning and running through this message in my mind, I realized that in starting up the podcast a few weeks ago, I have been so focused on production and on being clear with the lesson and with the, the word that I've not emphasized enough the relational aspect of the Lord in each of these devotions. And that's the final goal is to develop a deep one-on-one relationship with the Son of God, our Savior. One method of study I use is to refer or reference the words in the Bible to the Strong's Concordance. An example of this is the word love, and it shows the importance of understanding the root words of the Bible that Jesus originally spoke. For in the English, we have the one word love, But in John 21, verses 15 through 17, Jesus used a word for love, which means fondness and affection. The word is agapeo. Peter answered with, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he used the word phileo, which means fondness and friendship. So three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. The first two times, Jesus used the word agapeo, which is a step down from agape love, which is the love of God for each one of us. That is unconditional, perfect, and pure love. But Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him on an affectionate level, and Peter answers with the word for friendship. The third time Jesus asked Peter, he used the word phileo, Peter, are you fond of me? Am I your friend? And the record shows that Peter was grieved that he was asked a third time because Jesus downgraded the question to Peter's level. Knowing these different words for love brings us to the point I want to make, and it concerns the verse where Jesus said, the Lord sent him to heal the brokenhearted. To heal, as it's used in this verse, is to make whole. And broken is to shatter or to bruise. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. For the word heart here literally means the mind, the center of thought or emotions. And it differs from Jesus' use of the word mind in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven and elsewhere, which means the faculty of the mind, the use of the mind, the imagination and thought process. When Luke 4.18 is taken as a whole, Jesus is declaring, first, he came to preach the gospel. That's the good news of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and the way of redemption, which uh, makes it possible for us to dwell with God by the Spirit and the walk and faith in this life and then eternal life in the next. And I've mentioned before that salvation is a portal into this new life, and part of that is revealed when Jesus said he came to heal the broken-hearted or 
the broken in their minds by distress. And that's a natural flow for the rest of that verse because he goes on to say he came to preach uh, deliverance to the captives, return of sight to the blind, and freedom for those who are, are oppressed and bruised. Now, I can tell you from experience, there are mental distresses out there that will break us down, even physically. Depression has an effect on the brain that changes the chemistry if it goes on long enough and deep enough. This is an important promise to us for those of us who struggle with distresses like PTSD, depression, uh, chronic acute anxiety, and the list just goes on and on and on. I learned in counseling that I had to protect my mind by taking care where my thoughts went. I had to guard my mind. And so the first thing is that we have to guard our mind in the beginning. The healing may come later, but by guarding the mind, it prevents further injury and damage and distress. So how can we protect our minds in this way? Well, in Ephesians 6.17, Paul wrote, and take the helmet of salvation, and this is part of donning the armor of God. Helmet in that verse refers to circling the head with a defense, and that defense is salvation. This means it will protect our mind. But how does salvation protect our minds? It is the knowledge of what salvation is and what it accomplished and the position we hold as a result, a place in our faith that all Jesus brought about by his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. In episode two, we looked at what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So now let's look at the position we hold as Christians and how this knowledge protects the mind. In Romans 8, 15 through 17, is revealed our standing as children, and this is in opposition to fear. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, for Paul to write that we didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear reveals that before we became Christians, before we were saved, before being born again, we were in bondage to fear. We all know that fear still plagues the Christian, but it's something that we can resist and fight back against by using the shield of faith. And that faith in that sense is to make the decision to believe the Bible as it concerns God's promises to watch over us and protect us and do the best for our lives according to his will. To reiterate, as a child of God, this can seal us against so much fear that would otherwise intrude upon our minds. It also helps when we are distressed in our minds about guilt over past failures and losses. And we could stop right here with this passage in Romans and have enough knowledge to cover our thoughts with to put the encircling truth of Scripture as a filter by which incoming fear may be stopped. We'll look at how to put this truth in place. But first, I want to look at other reinforcing verses. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, he reiterates our position as children of God. Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as children. And because you are children, God sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, in Galatians, Paul was having to deal with Christians who were returning to the bondage of legalism under the Judaic law. And why would they return to bondage? Even Paul was amazed and expressed it in Galatians 3, 1 through 3. Listen to this. The first time, actually, I heard this, I, I was surprised. I had not been saved long, and I always thought the Bible was uh, just full of these like soft, warm stories where everyone got along. And I was just shocked that Paul would not even talk like this, but he wrote it down in a letter when he sent it. Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? I believe Paul was so upset to write the way he did there in chapter 3 is because he knew the dangers of legalism. And that's what the Christians in Galatians were doing. They were going back to the Judaic law, probably because it was a comfortable tradition they had grown up with. This concludes part one of lesson six, Restoring the Mind. And next week, we'll look at practical applications of Scripture to firmly put a defense around our mind and go further into how that protection by filling our minds with truth can help alleviate some of the despair and distress that we experience as Christians. You've been listening to Hope's Harbor, gritty Bible devotions by David Bradley. To get show notes, visit hopesharbor.net.